Welcome to the Avail Leadership Podcast, where our goal is to help you take your leadership to the next level. My name is Virgil Sierra, and today we're talking with Matt Green. Matt is our very own editorial director of the Avail Journal. Lean in as we have an insightful conversation about various aspects of marketing, communications, and the publishing world from the perspective of a leader who's been in both the vocational ministry world and the nonprofit world. Let's get started. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Avail Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Virgil Sierra, also the lead pastor of Vertical Church, a.k.a. Iglesia Vertical, where we are one church, two languages in South Florida. I'm so pumped about this episode. I think I say that every episode, but it's the truth. We have amazing guests, people who are leading, who are influencing, who are making a difference. And today is no different. We are here today with Matt Green, who is a recognized editor, writer, and marketer with great experience in numerous publications and organizations. Currently the co-owner of Green Words, Inc., uh, the VP of Marketing at Pioneers USA, and the editorial director for Avail, our very own Avail. Matt has served in many roles when it comes to the world of editing, marketing, and publishing. Matt, I am so happy and encouraged to be here with you. How does it feel to be on the Avail Leadership Podcast? Well, it's awesome. I remember just like maybe a little over two years ago when I was part of the very beginnings of the Avail journey as um, many of us sat down at a at a table in a hotel um, at the airport in Orlando and begin to dream and think about what this could look like with Sam Chand and and several others. And um, obviously it's more than a journal. It's more than a magazine. It's, it's, um, it's a lot more than that. And I don't know if I would have envisioned all the different ways in which we would be privileged to serve our, our readers and our audience. So this is just one more step in that, in that incredible journey. Yeah, you, you are a true witness that Avail has taken flight, uh, has has taken uh, color, and I think that's another example of how God can can do much more than we can even expect or imagine sometimes, like like He does in our lives. So this is great. I, I'm honored, Matt, to spend this time with you um, uh, because we're we kind of work together uh, in the Avail world and 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 pushing together on the same team. Uh, I, I know I know a little bit about you, and, and we've we've been able to connect and share a lot, uh, which I'm going to talk a little bit about that ahead. But I know there's a lot of listeners and viewers uh, who are going to lean in right now and and they're going to get to know you a little bit. So can you share, before we kind of get into some, I have some questions about marketing. Uh, I have some questions uh, uh, about communications and, and and editing, all this stuff that, that you're, this is your world. Before we get into that, tell us a little bit about your journey and your story and, and how you kind of got into this world of editing and marketing. Yeah. So I was, I was brought up in a family that really appreciated reading the written word. I enjoyed getting magazines, uh, reading books when I was a kid. Um, and then I, I started writing stories, anything I could, you know, basically put on paper. And this was before we had blogs and the ability to publish on the internet. And when I was 14, um, I saw an ad in the newspaper. I lived in a very small town in Vermont, but the county had a newspaper that went all over the county. Um, it was called the Caledonian Record. And I saw an ad in there. They were looking for feature writers, human interest feature writers. And I showed it to my mother and I said, well, do you think I could do this? 
And to her credit, she said, well, why don't you just contact them? So I contacted the newspaper and I said, you know, I'm 14 years old. I like <laughs> to write. Um, could I do this? And so they um, surprisingly assigned me an article. I don't know if they thought I could do it or not, but they assigned me an article. They said, we want you to write an article on pumpkin farming. Well, this was... Um, this was probably around September or so. And so I had to find pumpkin farms and I went and visited them and wrote about pumpkin farms and, and even took some photos that were included. And so that was the beginning. They apparently liked the article because they published it. And I learned a lot about pumpkin farming. And then um, from that time on, they assigned me other articles, human interest articles that I that I wrote on. And so that was kind of the beginning. And I really do credit my mother for encouraging me because I don't know if every parent would have encouraged um, their child to take that leap of faith. And I probably thought too much of my skills at that time, but I did it anyway. And that kind of began the journey of just enjoying the process of reporting, telling stories, listening to other people, um, and then kind of distilling it into a way that's engaging for other people to, to read about. So um, after that, obviously, um, went to college and, and became involved in ministry at some point, um, and then ended up back in the publishing world in magazine publishing, and then in marketing and PR for nonprofit. Um, and, and also, of course, involved other ways on the side here with with the avail and and the books and the, the other publishing ventures of four rivers media so so okay this is cool you're a you're a multifaceted diversely talented and gifted man i, I acknowledge that well, but i you. never i never would have guessed that it all began with a pumpkin farming article well, yeah, it's it, it, every study's got to have something interesting like that about their <laughs> kind of their their origin story. You know, superheroes have the origin stories of being bit by a spider or exposed to radio, you know, radioactive <laughs> chemicals or something. For me, it was a pumpkin farm. Quick question: yeah. Have you ever written an article or a feature on pumpkins again? No, I would have no reason to do so. <laughs> and, you know, but there's probably some principles or something about that. I mean, right now I have a garden and I'm, I'm growing, um, I'm trying to grow a watermelon and um, some cantaloupe. And I've heard they're very difficult to grow. I have several of them that are maybe about this big out there, <laughs> but I'm expecting they're not going to taste well. So my my standards are low, but if they do, then... I guess there's a tie-in a little bit with that. All right. I'm going to be waiting for that article to yeah. come out. This is great. Okay. So, all right. So let's talk about this, uh, Matt. You have multiple roles and positions, including VP of Marketing at Pioneers USA, uh, Editorial Director of Avail, to name a few, you know, amongst other things, right? Can you talk to us a little bit about, I know, and I know this is your wheelhouse, about what is marketing? What is communications? Why are these important to us in these days? Well, I think historically marketing has typically been about selling a product and persuading someone to purchase a product or um, or invest in something. You know, it's 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 the art of persuasion, right? Uh -huh. I think things have changed quite a bit in in the years since marketing became popular. And of course, we can go all the way back to different different um, traveling salespeople selling snake oil and remedies and things like that and, and standing on top of their wagon and promoting its benefits to now where there's digital marketing that is, mm. that is channeled directly into your devices and it's channeled there based on your preferences and your activities online. But um, I do think a common thread of marketing is that of telling a good story. Mm -hmm. Right. It's connecting with people on an emotive level so that they engage with you. They respond on an emotional level and 
and and actually do what you're wanting them to do. Mm. Um, but of course, I think that's become much more sophisticated, more complex lately, and it's involving relationships and authenticity um, and, and a sense that you care as the person who's selling a, a product, that you're not just there for yourself, but that you are actually providing a benefit. Um, and so I think that's some of the ways in which it's evolved, and, it, and it's got a long ways to go, obviously. But um, there's, there's implications in, in the church and in nonprofits and ministries, um, as well as in, as in business for, for marketing. But I would, see it, I would see storytelling as kind of being at the mm. core of, of marketing. Uh, so when you when you say that, and I, and I maybe never thought of it this way, when you say that, it sounds like there's an art to it, right? There, there's an art. There's an aspect of it because storytelling is is not necessarily you know something technical. It's something that's there's an artistic aspect or right. creative aspect to it that maybe some people might not connect. Can you speak to that? Right, I think so um, because we all kind of are. We I think we're wired to appreciate story. Um, it's something that draws us together. We watch a movie together and we mm -hmm. resonate with this with the the narrative of this of the story. Um, there are certain things we expect. You know, we, when we engage with a story, we expect there to be a challenge, a struggle that a hero or someone we care about um, that we're going to develop an affinity to in that story. They're going to overcome. They're not just going to overcome something um, physical, but they might also come to a deeper awareness of themselves. And so we do see those elements in, in, in marketing, um, even in, in things out, you know, outside of the church world, mm -hmm. uh, different products that are marketed, not simply for the benefits that they provide, um, but, but so that you can be part of a community. Um, so if you, if you are interested in motorcycles, um, you, are looking at perhaps a Harley and it's not so much because of the history of the Harley or its performance, but it might be because you want to become part of the Harley family. You know, you right. want to become a biker. And so it's a cultural identification. And so we see that a lot with marketers is that they're creating tribes of, of identification. Are you an Apple person? Or are you a PC person? Are you a Coke person? Are you a Pepsi person? And of course that's all tied into one's personal identity, who, what do they connect with? Um, and so marketers do, they tap into that, um, to those preferences and desires and, um, idealism of their, of their audience, so to speak. That's, that's cool. So you, you just use the example for, of movies, right? So if we're honest, we can be honest here, right? There are some movies that are good and some movies that aren't too good, right? <laughs> I guess it, it could be in the, in the, uh, Eye of the beholder, right? It could be a, right. it could be object, uh, uh, subjective. But my, here's my here's my question: it, it, Movies is a good example because there could be an amazing movie, and there could be a movie that's like mm, not not too good. What do you think is the most important factor for people to consider when they're trying to create marketable content for their organization, for their church, for their ministry, you know, for their company? Yeah. Well, I think part of it, one of, one of the things I think about a lot is the language of the audience. And mm. of course, I'm not just talking about the, the dialect, whether they speak Spanish or, or English or German or whatever, but it's, it's what are their preferred ways of communicating and mm. of, of um, consuming media. Um, and, and what I've noticed a lot and what our, our organization and others have, have observed lately is the language of the generation that we're trying to reach is video. Um, and it's not just, it's not just video, um, 
uh, but it's mobile video. It wow. is accessible content, and it doesn't have to be perfect. But it's but but that is one thing we've discovered. That's the language of the generation. Maybe thirty wow. years ago, it was um, it was. Um, you know, news newsprint or, or yeah. books or something like that. But but this seems to be how this generation is communicating to one another and are, are conveying values and meaning. And so we have to be willing to use that, even if it might not be our own personal preference. For me, it's not. I mean, I, I watch YouTube videos, but it's typically to gain information, to learn something, um, to you know, to apply to my life. It's not as much for entertainment always. Um, but I realize that the generation that I want to engage with they do use that language. Yeah. And so so I think marketers have to have um, a sensitivity toward their audience and what that language is that they're speaking, being willing to learn to speak it or to find people to, that, that you can recruit to come alongside you that do speak that language well, even if it's not something that you're necessarily good at. Because I don't, that's not something I'm good at. I've, I've produced videos, um, but I've, I'm not the ones who's shooting them. You know, I'm not the one who's editing them because I don't have yeah. those skills. But I think if you have the knowledge of how to engage people on a heart level, um, I think you can be part of creating that content, even if you don't necessarily know the technical aspects of, of executing it. Yeah, that's good. I think as we're talking about it, I think it's an issue of relevance at this point. And what you've discovered is that in this time that we're in right now, uh, it's important to consider this if you if you want to market anything, if you want anything to get out there, because somebody can resist this, but that would just may lead to irrelevance because if you're not in front of what people are, how the world is functioning, right? I mean, that, right. that happens sometimes, right? Yeah, it is. And I think if you resist it, you are... Um, kind of abandoning your opportunity to inject your values and and the things that you care about into that space. Um, if you decide, well, I don't believe that this is the most important way of communicating, um, instead of saying, well, I might not like it or it might not be my preference, but this is an opportunity for me to connect with the people that I'm trying to reach and to um, share and convey and engage them with my values and the things that matter to me. Um, so, so I think that's, that's important. We don't want to just abandon the spaces that we think um, are problematic. <laughs> that's good. Okay. Okay. I want to take a step back here, Matt. You, how old were you with that first article that you wrote? Was it 14? 14, about 14 or 15, I think. Yeah. Okay. So we're not going to go to how old you are now, but yeah. 14 was your first article. Right. We, we could say some years have gone by. Um, You've written a lot of articles. Do you think, I mean, if you had a ballpark range of how many articles you've written, what, what would you say to that? Boy, I don't I mean, probably several hundred. Um, and that would, that would go from larger feature, you know, features um, for magazine or for journal, um, smaller, you know, maybe columns or editorials mm-hmm. that have written at different times, um, you know, bl- blogs or digital content, um, done some book editorial projects, um, helped people really get their message out in, in a book form. But yeah, I don't, I don't know what those numbers are. I mean, I don't, I don't really keep track, I guess. <laughs> okay. So I'm holding, I'm holding in my hand the most recent, okay. Uh, avail, uh, journal, which by the way is fantastic. Thank you. And I think you, you, wrote, it. you wrote a feature here, the language of heaven, how to build a bilingual church, and I'll and I'll just say I'll just say um, this is this is a this is an article you wrote uh, about about our church, vertical church here in South Florida, and, and our and our pastoring. Um, I would imagine this is probably in your top 
three uh, most amazing works that you've ever done. Favorite. You sound like my mother. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I want I want to just give you some some props and some great credit because I've read many of your of your features and your articles that you've done in the Avail journals, especially in the in the last year and change. Um, and I was honored that you did this one. Um, does, from from looking back, and you don't have to use mine. We we already know that that's one of your top three, but. Are there any other ones that stand out, any other articles that stand out that throughout your journey that you're like, man, I really am proud of that, you know, that pumpkin yeah. farm one or, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> something like that. Well, there, there were two in, in, I did work in the publishing world in um, Christian magazines for, for, for some years um, before my current role and had opportunities to interview people and write on topics that that were critical. Um, one one example would be an article, a column, right? Not a column, a, a profile I wrote on a person who I disagreed with, and and I just I didn't really care for his ministry or his theology. I didn't agree with him on a lot of stuff, but um, but I wanted to kind of dig deeper. And mm. so I he was in California at the time um, at a pretty good sized church, flew out, um, spent the day with his staff and, and on campus at the church, met him and, and got several hours to interview him. Um, and he was very transparent, very um, honest. And over the course of that time, I grew to like him. I grew to see, um, not necessarily that I agreed with him, but I, I saw him as a brother in Christ and someone who um, who had a heart for people and was, was having an impact, um, a positive impact, and that people were growing close, closer to the Lord. They were they were um, becoming more effective in their lives. And so that was just one example of a time when you can look from a distance at someone and maybe have a lot of objections or disagreements with them. But when you meet them and you get to see them um, in the context of the place God has put them, you realize that um, you might not be totally correct in your assessment. And that even if you are, that's a person who is a brother or a sister in Christ and they mm. deserve your respect and, and they deserve you to hear their story and for, for you to connect with them and engage with them. So that was one. Um, I think there were several other articles at that time that were related to crises in the church, moral crises and things like that, where I had a chance to talk to a lot of different people and get their perspectives and kind of distill it into, into some meaningful content. So those were those are good good memories. But I think some of the profiles of interesting people, people I disagreed with, people I liked, people maybe I admired and then found out they were actually, you know, maybe more down to earth than, um, than I had expected. Those are just amazing opportunities, you know, to, to connect with people on a personal level. That's really cool. I actually think that's a great uh, life lesson uh, because sometimes I think we can, uh, in, in any area, we can convince ourselves that, that we don't like somebody or that, right you know, or that, or that we might, we have nothing in common with somebody where, uh, we're just, and I think the way you phrased it when we were talking about this, um, is just, just getting to know somebody, right. That the relational aspect, um, which is part of, of, you know, of, of writing a profile, right. Or, or being, or that, that, that can really break down walls. And I think, I think the church could benefit from more of that. Right. Right. No, I think so, because it feels like we're living in a time in which we're becoming increasingly tribalized, where people are identifying with their specific niche of um, the church or even politics right. or their perspective on, on current events um, or their unique theological perspective. And so that fragmentation leads us to put people in the category of the other, you know, yeah. they're, they're different than me, they're other, and it, and it diminishes the things that we have in common. So 
And I mean, I've guilt, been guilty of that many times, you know, just looking from a distance, making a, a judgment call, assuming that someone believed a certain way or thought it a, a certain way without actually listening to them. Um, and then when you meet them, you, you find out we actually have a lot in common. Of course, this is not just in the church that we deal with this. This is in the in all over the place, whether it's with our neighbors yeah. or, um, you know, I've had the privilege through my through my work with um, in missions to be able to travel all over the world and meet people from other religious backgrounds, you know, Muslims, Hindus, Buddhists, and to be amazed to find out we have so much in common. We all want the same things for our children. We all want to be able to work and to have a living wage. We all want to be healthy and we care about our families. Mm-hmm. And, and those are some of the deepest parts of us as human beings, even though we might not share the same faith. Right. Um, and so when you bridge those gaps, when you meet those people, you find out how much you do have in common. And it, and it, it kind of mitigates a bit of your judgment. Yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> this is really great. Uh, yeah. Even, even as, not even as a pastor, just as a Christian, I think one of the things that the Bible calls us to do is to pray for people. Right. Mm-hmm. And I have found that, that when the more you pray for somebody, the more you care about them. And so if we did a little bit more praying for people that we even disagree with or are not on the same page with, it could, it could end up in some positive results. I think so. Definitely. Yeah. It's hard to hate somebody when you're praying for them. Right? <laughs> totally. Totally. Okay. So, so something interesting about you that, that I think is so cool, um, Matt, for a lot of reasons is that throughout your journey, you, you've kind of, you've, you've kind of been in both worlds. You, you've, you've been in full-time vocational ministry. Um, and, and then you've also been in the, in the nonprofit world. Can you speak to what it means to embrace the reality, the idea that God calls us to all types of environments. And sometimes he even calls us to transition and shift or change. Can you speak a little bit to that? Right. Yeah, I, I, I've thought about this quite a bit since I've left um, vocational church ministry. And I was in pastoral ministry for about five years um, at different churches. And and then leaving that and then going into um, the, the work world where you're working a, a daily job and you're in the business world, um, and then into the nonprofit world as well, and realized some of the perspectives that I had when I was in ministry really were not correct um, and needed to be adjusted a bit, particularly as it related to calling and maybe what some of us might think of as the different levels of calling or the different hierarchies within the kingdom of, of importance. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, when I was in church ministry, I thought, well, this was this is the center of all that God is doing in the world. This is kind of the hub. And so people come to us to experience and to get involved. And if you really want to be part of what God's doing in the world, this is where it's going to be, is here in the local church. And I do believe in the local church and its importance. But in some ways, I, I missed out on on how much people that I was serving in a local church were also serving in a very yeah. needed and important way in their areas of calling, whether they are a school teacher or whether in the medical area or whether they are working for the city, um, you know, on the streets um, or if they're a counselor or something like that. There are so many ways for us as followers of Jesus to love our fellow human beings. Mm -hmm. And that's what God's called us to do. And, and this is how we um, fulfill the calling he's placed in our lives, whatever that is, is by 
caring for and serving our our neighbor. Um, and so that that's been a real shift, I think, in my mind is understanding um, that ministry and service to God can really happen anywhere and that calling can take many shapes over the course of someone's life. You know, just because God might have you in one place at one time doesn't mean he won't move you um, and place you somewhere else. And that that's not necessarily a demotion or a promotion. You know, that's not really how True. the kingdom works. Right. It's, it's not, it doesn't work as a, as a, as a hierarchy. It works as, as where does God have you? And are you being fruitful um, to the best of, your ability and the spirit's empowerment wherever you are. You know, I think as I'm hearing you talk, it's so true. I've been, I've been learning a lot and, and researching a lot about, about, um, about life work and ministry and ministry. Mm -hmm. People think ministry or calling, they automatically think, Oh, that's, that's not the church. That's the people who work at church where, where I really believe we're all called to minister. Like we're called, some, some of us are called to minister in the church. Yeah, fine. Some are called to minister in, in, in the education system. Some are called to minister in government. Some are called to minister, you know, in, in healthcare. It's, it's connected to our, our calling. It's connected to our purpose, to our giftings. Right. And, and I think, I think that that's, uh, that message is important, Matt. I think I think it's true. I think that, uh, in fact, I think that's that's God's heart. Is we need to take light everywhere, right. um, and so and so the local church has a role, and, and some people have a a calling to that. Um, but there is a calling that we have from the Lord to 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 be light, to be salt, and to be light everywhere. And and I think it's interesting, in, kind of in your story, how you've kind of been able to experience both and, and, and being okay, being comfortable saying, Hey, there's a seat, this was a season or a chapter and the Lord is using me in, in different ways. Um, but they're all, it's all pointing to the kingdom. Right. Right. And I think otherwise there can be a sense of real disappointment. Um, because if your sense of the calling of God and your impact is tied to a certain ideal that you have vocationally, right? right? Mm-hmm. If it's tied to that, then then that means if that vocation changes or shifts or God moves you somewhere else or you are fired or you, you know, and I, and I have many friends who, who work overseas and they are at the mercy of local leaders who might be giving them a visa. Um, mm. So if they lose their visa, they have to go somewhere else or they have to come home. Well, that can be very jarring to someone whose calling is tied specifically to a vocation or to a location instead mm. of to serving God in whatever place he has you, you know, and, and loving your neighbor, caring for um, the things that he's placed in front of you, recognizing that he might move you somewhere else. And are you okay with that? Yeah, that's good. You know, Matt, you, you, you know, it's been it's been a lot of experience in, in the different worlds. It's been a lot of uh, uh, I'm sure your journey has had has had ups, has had downs, has had twists, has had turns, uh, as most of our journeys do. If you could if you could kind of go back in time, if you could get in the in the DeLorean, right back to the future, right? If you could if you could go back and give give young Matt Green, maybe maybe a little bit a little older than 14, right? But give some advice or some encouragement to yourself back in the earlier days and your younger days. What, what are some of the thoughts or the ideas that come to mind as far as advice and encouragement? Yeah. Well, that in in the interest of honesty, that was about 33 years ago. So I'm about 47 right now. Um, and I don't remember too much about that. But I think there's definitely a sense that a lot of us have when we're younger that 
it's a destination, you know, that our vocation or our calling is something that we land at and then we don't move any further. Um, and also another thing that we believe, I think, is that things are only going to get better. Um, so whatever whatever we're at right now, uh, most likely we're going to be advancing into a new level of leadership and responsibility. But that's not always the way it happens. You know, God right. might move us into downward mobility for the sake of greater impact. And if we really care about the kingdom, then we'll be willing to take that step mm-hmm. downward so that he can use us in a different way. But I think for me, it was it, it just would have been helpful if I had had a greater sense of um, the, the twists and the turns and that maybe where he was going to have me eventually wasn't going to meet the ideal that I had in my mind necessarily at that time, mm-hmm. but that it still would be um, an opportunity for fulfillment. Now I say opportunity because it doesn't come automatically. I think it's not as though God just places us places and we just automatically experience fulfillment. There's a lot of effort that we have to put in on our parts, at least I know for me it's been, to um, to invest in it in a way that it does fulfill me. Mm-hmm. Um, and not to constantly be looking for what's next and what the future holds, but to be willing to sit in whatever that moment is that he has me in, even if I'm not too excited about it and realize that he has me there for a moment. I think there's, we're all wired differently, but I think some of us are just wired more to be constantly looking to the future and waiting for what's next. And we have a really hard time living in the moment um, that God has us. I'm, I'm one of those people for sure. Why, why do you think, why is that so hard? Cause you're speaking truth right now. Why, why, why do you think it's so hard to, to, you know, to, to be patient or, yeah. or to, you know, to, to, to trust, I guess it's a trust issue with God. Like, why, why do you think it's so hard? Because this, I think everybody goes through a season of that, you know, or experiences kind of like what can be, what can feel like a letdown. Right. Yeah. And those of us who have maybe a, f- a few more years can look back and say, no, God used that for a reason or purpose. But why do you think it's so hard? Well, sometimes I think we in the church actually make the problem worse. Um, we do tend to talk a lot about dreams and visions mm-hmm. and um, and pursuing God's calling and um, pursuing the next big thing that God has for us. But um, so I think we sometimes in, you know, with the best of intentions, right. exacerbate that sense that where God has you right now may be exactly where he wants you mm-hmm. um, or that the next big thing might not be the big thing. It might be a small thing. Um, and and you need to be okay with that because that's mm. actually where from an eternal standpoint, you will have the most impact. It might not look that way from our current vantage point, but from an eternal standpoint, God does have us where he can use us the most because he knows what's best. Um, so that's, I think that is one reason is that the, the the church has absorbed some of the cultural mm-hmm. um, tendency toward upward mobility and advancement. And I'm, I'm not suggesting that God wants us to stagnate in our right. lives, but, but we have to be willing to take, to take the path um, that might look very different from the world's view of success. And, um, in, and that might be counterintuitive to what even our dreams are telling us, right? Um, But he knows what's best, you know, just like with our own children, they have dreams of things that they just have 
they, that might not come true. And we kind of shepherd them toward understanding that's going to be okay because God's got something else for you. I know my daughter years ago, I think she was probably seven or eight years old. She had come home from school and I think they'd had a, some type of a topic of discussion there about what do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> And, and she said, you know, everybody says they think they know what they're going to be, but it never works out that way. So she must have absorbed some of my cynicism or something <laughs> from an early age. Um, and of course, she's right. I mean, there's, if, if everybody got to be what they wanted to be when they were little, we'd have too many firemen, right? Yep. Um, and or, baseball players. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> it's, it's good that they don't always work out. Um, but typically, you know, God knows what he's doing. He, he, he takes us on the journey that, that he wants us to go on that we need to go on. Yeah, I think that's a good reminder that the importance of our identity in Christ, I th- I th- like what you're saying right now, uh, my identity is not in, in what I do. Right. My identity is not in how much I have or where I am. My identity is that I'm a child of God and in, in his sovereignty, he's going to lead me into the journey, you know, and, I, and hopefully I'm going to be obedient and willing to, to trust that his plan for my life is better than my own plan. Right. Um, that's good. That's good. Matt. So, okay. I think, I think it's fair to say that there's probably a lot of people that are listening and watching right now that, that maybe say, man, I I would, I would love to pursue a, a career in marketing. I would love to pursue a career in publication, right? This is, this is your world, right? Mm -hmm. Um, do you have any advice for anybody who's, who says, man, I think I, I think I have these giftings. Yeah. I think I have what it takes for, for marketing, for, 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 you know, uh, publishing all this stuff, um, communications, yeah. right? What advice do you have for them? Well, I can tell you what I look for when I'm hiring people for my team here, here at Pioneers. Um, and, and there's kind of a baseline of skill that I see as really being important. And that is the ability to write. And it's, it's not so much the, the style of writing to be able to write press releases or be able to write ad, ad copy. It's to be able to communicate well. Mm-hmm. And I do think that that's a kind of a baseline skill that once you have that, it's able to carry you into other media types as well. So if you're a good writer, you'll probably be more inclined to be able to do well in writing scripts for videos or in mm-hmm. developing... Um, you know, a, a a list of questions for a podcast or to be able to communicate with someone um, as you're conveying um, the desire to maybe utilize them for, for a project. So, you know, it even, even finds its way into emails and to other types of communication. So I do think that's a baseline is, is not to minimize the impact of the written word, even though, as I said earlier, the language of this generation in many ways, is video. I see mm-hmm. there's a real importance to be able to communicate well in in a written form. Um, and then I think another thing too is to not be afraid of of the new media types that are that are coming in, mm-hmm. even if you don't like them from a preferential standpoint. And I and I don't. You know, I'm not big into social media. I I I just don't use it a lot. Um, I use Instagram for kind of my personal photo album. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can kind of look back and see <clears throat> what's happened the last few years and see my see pictures of traveling and being with my kids. But um but I do want to bring in people onto my team that are skilled and that are passionate about that and that can explain it to me as someone who's older and who doesn't have that experience. So I don't have to learn it but I have to be willing to use it and to be able to bring people into my world who do have a passion for it and to kind of empower them to, to do it um, 
you know, to, to activate that skill in their life. Um, so, so a lot of that, the answer to that question is kind of where are you at in that journey? If you're a leader, if you're leading a team, it doesn't mean you have to learn all these things, but you do need to gather some people around you that do. Um, and if you're starting out, well, the, you know, it's, it's kind of wide open. You can decide what, what area you want, you want to go into. But, um, I do have kind of that old school, natural, preference for the written word. Um, and I think it does provide a good foundation for other, other ways of, of communicating. Um, one other area I think too that I'm really having to dig into a lot lately is that of data. Um, historically, marketers didn't have anywhere near as much data as they do today. Mm -hmm. um, and so they had to kind of go by their gut. And as a result, you kind of had gurus out there that would do marketing um, or people that seem to have this sixth sense to be able to um, promote something or, or create a product that just flew off the shelves. Um, we had people, you know, like Steve Jobs is one example of that. He could just mm -hmm. create an idea, a concept of a product, and it just resonated with people, even when the experts looked at it and said, that's not going to work. Um, but of course, he's, he, he, as the exception, he proves the rule, right? There's no, no other Steve Jobs out there. There's very few, if any. Um, and so that means we're more dependent on actual data, so, and we have it, we have it through social media platforms, through the web um, and, and through market research. We can actually tell, you know, what it is that seems to be resonating with people and attempt to respond to that. Not so that we can manipulate, but so that we can have our finger on the pulse of what's the story? What is it that, that is, is connecting with people? So data is an important part of, of a marketer's job nowadays, whether they like it or not. Um, if they prefer to be using the cool gadgets. Um, they might need to sit in front of a spreadsheet and, and, you know, let their eyes glaze over sometimes. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Before we, before we talk a little bit about how people can learn a little bit more about pioneers and, uh, and even avail online, um, is here's my, my question, Matt, specifically with, is, the, is there something for you personally that you somewhere where you find inspiration, right? Whether it's for whether it's for uh, your writing writing aspect of what you do, marketing aspect of the, you know what ins what inspires you. You know, there's certain things that's kind of <clears throat> can spark inspiration or can spark ideas. Where do you go for yeah. ideas or inspiration? There's been a few areas. I mean, I, obviously, because I live in a world of of digital and electronics and sitting in front of a screen doing email. I really need to get away from that. So my external hobbies are non-digital. You know, mm -hmm. they, they, I love to garden. I love to go hiking and backpacking. And, and I, I got a motorcycle last year and I've, I have made a commitment to do all the maintenance myself, which is I'm not really a mechanically minded person, but I've got YouTube. So, um, but that's something where you get your hands dirty, you know, you're working in the physical world. And for me, that's, that's inspiring. It kind of resets my mind back to the cool. real world when I'm in the virtual world. So that's inspiring. Another thing that, that I've found really inspiring, this might sound odd, um, but when you watch a movie, sometimes you can, you can, they have an extra, like the extra features mm -hmm. where you can see the making of it, or you can, you can hear the commentary, um, and one that really impacted me years and years ago was the extra features that came with the Lord of the Rings DVDs. And that was just where they went into depth for hours and hours and hours on the making of the world in which they, you know, they filmed 
the, the videos. And, and I think for me, it was inspiring because of the commitment um, and the creativity to the process that was sometimes very menial and, um, and things that people would never see necessarily um, unless they just screen grabbed a very small part of a video and zoomed in on it. But it's that attention to detail that I think I, I find so inspiring because I have a tendency to kind of gl- to speed past things. If I don't think anyone's looking, I just, I want to move on to the next thing. I'm excited to do what's next. And I figure, well, they won't notice that. But watching people that are the best at what they do at their craft and watch them commit that much energy and effort um, inspires me and it provokes me. And then when I'm working with my team, I, I kind of have them in the back of my mind and I, I use them as kind of a model for working through that through that process and to slow down and to listen and to be committed to kind of experiment and go back and do it again and be okay with failure, you know? Um, so those are kind of two areas. Obviously, just the physical world, getting my hands dirty yeah. in the real world um, and then watching how other people do what they do you know, and, and be inspired by that and encouraged and a little humbled too, because you're never going to be at that level, but we can at least try. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause I think, I think that's important no matter what area we're in or even leading in. I think it's important to find, find things that help us just get inspired to, to breathe, to refresh, reset, right. And obviously learn and grow as well. Um, so I'd like to close off. Um, and, and, and obviously we'll talk a little bit about, uh, the Avail Journal, which I think is important, but, but why don't you tell us a little bit about Pioneers USA and um, how people can learn more about that. Uh, and then we'll talk a little bit about Avail. Yeah. So um, Pioneers USA is a, is a global church planting organization. We have bases around the world. Um, we have um, about 1,500 from the U.S. sent to do church planting among the unreached. So the unreached wow. would be specifically people that do not have any access to the gospel in their culture. They have mm-hmm. no self-sustaining church or, or gospel witness. Not enough Christians there to be able to create a movement um, to result in what we have here in this country with many, many churches and, and believers and church mm-hmm. leaders and, and Christian products and things like that. So our organization mobilizes and, and recruits and sends people from local churches to go and to to um, begin church planting teams around the world. And so our team is involved in the fundraising and in the recruiting and and the advocacy for that for for Pioneers. And our website is pioneers.org for anyone who's interested. Very cool. Thank you. That's awesome. That is worthy of admiration. And I pray that the Lord would continue to give uh, the whole team at Pioneers just vision and favor provision because I know there's there's so much work to do and and getting the gospel message to to people that that need it is is such a worthy cause so thanks for sharing that now talk to us a little bit about avail how yeah. are you feeling with all the things that are happening with avail well it's exciting to see and it's exciting to see the product <clears throat> you know evolve over the last few years and um, and invite new voices in um, I think one thing that I am very encouraged by and I'm hopeful that we'll be able to continue in in the vision for Avail is a diversity. Um, yeah. And I'm not talking just about ethnic diversity, although that's something that I really care about, um, but also gender diversity. Um, yeah. And so we're always pushing to have um, a wide diversity of voices, not so that we can just have tokenism in the journal, but so that we can listen to perspectives that we would not normally be exposed so to. Right? It kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier about tribalism and, and the <laughs> tendency of us to group around certain things that are not really central in the kingdom. They might be 
central to us personally, but they're not central to the kingdom. So my hope is that Avail would gather people around the things that are central, the values that we all share. Um, and then we learn from one another. So, mm-hmm. so that's something that I'm really excited to see. And I know that that also is happening in the podcast and in the other digital resources um, and learnings and books that, that are coming out of, the, of, out of Avail. So that's exciting to see. I agree 100%. By the way, for more uh, on Avail, you can go to theartofleadership.com. I happen to have the recent one where I'm there. I'm there. Part of it. I feel excited and encouraged, but mainly, Matt, because the article you wrote, uh, The Language of Heaven, um, Secrets on growth, Growing Up Bilingual Church, is re- it really, you captured the essence of what God has called us here to. And I think the quality of the content and the writing um, that's in the Avail journal is so, it's really. Um, exceptional, but then even even the design and the layout oh, yeah. and the colors and the, and the all the senses, the way it feels, it really is a quality. I mean, it really like you as part of it. And I'm not even in, on the end of you know putting it all, that part together, but it just you feel proud of it. Feel proud of it. Yeah, no, I'm I'm proud of it. Even though I can't take credit for design um, or the paper stock or the ink or anything like that. But uh, what a great team of people! It's just a lot of fun to be involved. For sure. Yeah. So by the way, if you're listening right now, I want to make sure we mention this every single episode because every single week there's new people clicking on and connecting with us. Uh, If you have not done so, you can claim a free annual subscription to the Avail Journal by going to availjournal.com. Availjournal.com, free annual subscription. What that means is for a year, these come out quarterly. You're going to get, you're going to get four of these free. And let me tell you, it is worth, worth it. In fact, you're probably going to want to get some for your staff, for your teams, uh, for other people that appreciate leadership, uh, and ministry. Um, so I want to make sure that if you haven't done that, go to availjournal.com, claim your free subscription. If you've, if, if you've already done so, tell two people about it today. Let somebody know about it. Uh, cause people like Matt, uh, myself and the whole Avail team, we're really putting a lot of energy, effort, passion and excellence into everything we're putting out there. In, in essence, it's, we want to help people in the art of leadership, right? Theartofleadership.com. Um, Matt, this has been such a great conversation. Uh, I, it's been fun. Yeah, thank uh, you. Talking from, from, hey, talking from that first 14-year-old uh, boy writing his article on pumpkin farming uh, to now um, being editorial director and leading and and really modeling a great example for so many uh, that that are going to grow in this. And I think I think you have, not only do you have a voice that God has given you, Matt, but I think that the Lord is going to uh, give you opportunities to shape up and build up some, some amazing world changers in the journey. Um, can you share with us some final thoughts? What do you want to leave everybody with uh, in their hearts as we close off this talk? Well, it's, it, I don't really want to add much more than than what I said, but I will just say what was on my heart when we were talking about um, some of these issues of of, um, of tribalism and division that we see in the body of Christ, and um, and just encouraging myself included to intentionally open my heart and my mind to ideas that might be uncomfortable. Mm. Um, not simply for the sake of being uncomfortable, but so that I can expand my perspective so I can grow in my ability to, to learn, um, so that I can see through the eyes of people that I might not have a lot in common with, but Mm. who are my brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and I do hope that we as the church can, can take the lead in, in, 
in being a model of what it looks like to to um, get along with one another. Now, I don't think that that it's possible without the Holy Spirit, right? I'm not mm-hmm. saying that somehow um, we can all just get along and stop arguing and stop fighting simply by ignoring our differences. But um, mm-hmm. but my hope is that we as the church could do that um, and model it because we have the Holy Spirit yeah. and because we do know the truth um, about who Jesus is and what he has done for us. And that is what binds us together much more tightly than some of these other more secondary secondary things. I mean, there's always going to be time for arguing and discussing and debating, but let's do it as brothers and sisters, right? 100%. I think that was very well stated. And and I think it is, I think the different, the differentiating factor is the the fact that God's given us his Holy Spirit. And so the things that we can't do on our own, we can do with him. Uh, man, this has been awesome, Matt. Thank you so much for taking the time to uh, to just kind of lean in with us here on the Avail Leadership Podcast. I know that the listeners and viewers are, are appreciating everything we've talked about. Um, and, then, and let me just say, I'm proud to, to work with you. I'm proud to be part of the team. Likewise, uh, likewise. You're on. Uh, we, we, we honor you today and we bless you and we thank you because a lot of the work that you do is also uh, in, in many ways behind the scenes, so to speak, you know, um, and, and I think there's something awesome in the giftings that God has given you. And so we're proud of you, brother. And, and we can't wait to see all that the Lord's going to do in you. Well, thank you. That's encouraging, Virgil. And, and likewise, it's, it's great to work alongside you and, and the rest of the team. What an awesome time. Hey, everybody, thank you so much for connecting again to the Avail Leadership Podcast. Every week we're putting out episodes like this one that just add value, that help us in in different ways um, in in this art of leadership, in in this... um, and this, these opportunities that we have to, to influence, to grow, uh, to impact, to, to get a message out. And uh, this episode has been great. So uh, remember, if you haven't claimed your uh, one-year annual subscription to the Avail Journal, you can do that by going to availjournal.com. And you can check out so many more resources also at theartofleadership.com. Thank you so much for taking time to be with us. We'll see you next time here on the Avail Leadership Podcast. We hope you've been encouraged by this incredibly insightful conversation with Matt Green. Remember, for more info on how to help reach the unreached, check out pioneers.org. And also for more leadership resources, check us out at theartofleadership.com. And make sure to claim your free annual subscription to the Avail Journal at availjournal.com. As always, I'm your Avail Media host, Virgil Sierra. Muchas gracias. Thank you for connecting with us to learn the art of leadership here at the Avail Leadership Podcast.